All right, hi everybody. Uh, we are back with another edition of Casey Music Talk. Um, I am here today with a musician and bass player, Jim Kent. How you doing, man? Hey, Rob. How are you? It's an honor. Yeah. Well, thanks, man. Thanks for coming on. Um, I met you a couple of years ago, and uh, if, and we've we've kind of been friends and and seen each other out playing and stuff. And uh, we've done gigs together. Yeah, we have done gigs together. Um, and uh, definitely got to talking, and, and we've had many, many, uh, many good music conversations about all sorts of things, uh, appropriate and not appropriate. <laughs> it's the and so, yes, exactly. And so I, I want to bring you on and, and see what you, what you think about some of these uh, things that we've been talking about on the show. Um, so the first thing I wanted to ask you about was that you are not originally from here. No. Yeah, um, and you are from the Northeast, right? Yes, I moved in, moved to Kansas City in January of 2013. Mm -hmm. I moved into down, actually moved in downtown, 700 Broadway. Had a loft apartment, mm -hmm. and I could walk to the Phoenix. Yeah, that was nice. And, and I moved yeah. here from New Hampshire. Mm -hmm. That's where I was living when I came here. But I lived all over the Northeast and played all over the Northeast. Mm -hmm. and I moved here in 2013 because of family, and I just kind of. I had no idea what Kansas City was like. Like mm -hmm. everybody else on the coast, they think there's still cows running down the street. Yeah, and yeah. People wear bib overalls. <laughs> and and I got here, and my friends back home still think that. Yeah, wow. And I got here and said, wow. This, before you know it, I started playing. I went over to the Phoenix on a Monday night, met Tom DeMesters and, mm -hmm. De yeah. and Millie Edwards, and I was jamming with them every Monday night mm -hmm. for what, three, four years? Yeah, That's mm -hmm. where we met. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was. It's a lot of music in this town. That's why I'm still here. There's not cows running everywhere. No, there's not. This good. This good uh, steak and barbecue though. There is. There's some really, really not good barbecue. Like but there's no seafood. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. It's pretty weak seafood here. Um, so tell. So you were obviously playing music out there in the Northeast. Oh yeah. Uh, for since a while. the 70s. Yeah. Since the 70s. Um, so so tell everybody. Like a lot of people that are watching this in town, kind of have a pretty pretty good idea of what Kansas City scene is like. Um, tell me a little bit about the Northeast. Like. Well, it's a lot different than here. Uh, one of the things that blew me away and still does here is I have a lot of bass player friends here. Mm -hmm. Very good bass player friends, and I see them, we talk to each other. We, if I can't do a gig, I tell them, they tell the other person, we kind of network. Mm -hmm. It's not like that in the Northeast. It's very, mm -hmm. very competitive. Mm -hmm. And you don't play in three or four different bands. You stay in one or two bands at the most in the Northeast. And you try to gig as much as you can with those bands. Mm. Um, it's very competitive, uh, almost to a point where you look at other bass players as the enemy almost. Mm. I had no real bass player, bass player friends out there. Wow. I knew a few that I got along, but not really that I could be friends with. Here, I could be sitting at the bar with Paul Greenlees, mm -hmm. Derek. Yep. It can go down the list of these people sitting there having a beer with them talking about music. You don't do that in the Northeast, especially mm -hmm. in New York. Wow. New York's a whole nother world. Yeah, it's not like that here, is it? I no, mean, it's and, not. And I know like a lot of us uh, get friends with the other the other instruments of people a lot because that's who we're because you're never playing a gig with another bass player, right? You're that always That is doing, true. That's you know, another reason why too. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. you know, you can get together. Jam is a couple of bass sure. players, but yeah. But you see them at the jams, right? And yeah. so you're talking to them at the jams, but but you're never playing with them. You well, know? I, had, so, I did that one night with Derek Old Number Fives. We got mm -hmm. we did the chicken. Yeah, right. And I go, you go high, I go low. I'll go yeah. low, you go high, That's and we'll funny, just you know yeah. we'll just you know mess around. <laughs> it's not the common thing, no. Yeah, that is funny, man. Um, what like so in in this town we have. Obviously, blues and jazz are pretty much king. You know, I mean, they're, yeah. they're the dominant genres in town. We have a lot of other stuff too, but what's uh, what's the Northeast like for genre wise? What's uh, it's a lot of classic rock. Mm. Uh, now I'm talking 2012, sure. 2013. Yeah. I, that's four or five years. It might have changed since then. Yeah. Uh, the last band I was playing with in the Northeast was a Tower of Power tribute band. Mm -hmm. Cool. And we were like a ten piece band, and we did a lot of Tower of Power, like 14, yeah. 15 Tower of Power. Wow. We had some horn players from, these guys were hellacious players, I yeah, mean, great yeah. players. The band was great, uh, but it's a lot of classic rock. You do have some blues bands. There are some guys out there, and then, mm -hmm. you know, one guy named, uh, I get his first name, something Gibson. Mm -hmm. There were some, there's some blues guys out there, but a lot of classic rock. Mm -hmm. The closer you get to Boston, the more jazz you're going to hit because mm -hmm. of Berklee School of Music. But uh, also, okay. the harder it is, it's hard to gig in Boston. A lot of Boston people gig come up to New Hampshire or they go to Rhode Island. Mm. They'll gig in Nashua, uh, Concord. Mm -hmm. I've seen them go all the way up to Laconia. Laconia yeah. is in the middle of the state, has a really mm -hmm. good jazz club. Or they go to Rhode Island because there's just so much competition in the city. Oh. And you got these little Berkeley kids that'll play for free. Yeah. You know, and they're great players, so it's a lot of people outside the city. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that, them playing for free? Well, when you're 17 or 18, you're mm -hmm. full of testosterone, and mm -hmm. you and I didn't do that when we were 17. We're just happy to be playing. Yeah. So, yeah. And so those guys, those guys coming out of that, coming out of the Berkeley school, they're, I mean, they're, they're pretty good, right? I mean, they're, they're pretty yeah. decent players, you know, so they're, yeah, I studied they're there play. for a while, but I didn't go yeah. there, but I did study with one of the professors there for three years. Oh, really? Years. Yeah, and he helped me out a lot. Yeah, yeah. I owe, actually owe a lot to him. He got me into reading music. He got me into uh, doing shows. He got me into mm -hmm. uh, playing jazz. Cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, at that time, I mean, they, those kids are getting to do gigs for free, but they're not, they don't sound like BS gigs. You know, they're getting to no. place with some decent players and stuff. So, like, why not, I guess? Well, you know, it's like the, the really hot players get together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Sure. 17, 18. Yeah. It's a click, just like everything else. Yeah. And they, you know, they get these little groups that run around. And of course, then again, I'm talking a long time ago, but I doubt it has changed much. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still talk to friends back home, and they're still playing the same stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, little Annie and the Orphans, one of the bands. I mean, mm -hmm. the Rusty Rockstar Roadshow. You know, stuff like that. It's just. Band names are silly, man. Everybody <laughs> comes up with these ridiculous. The Rusty band Rocks, names. the Rusty Rockstar Roadshow. Actually, not bad. Yeah, that's funny. I played with them for about three years. Oh, yeah, that yeah. was a good gig. It's cool. Um, so with it, with that last question on that, I guess is that I know we've heard I've heard stories about like Austin, for example, and they'll talk about you have a decent sized band and decent sized venue what they'll try to do is they'll try to hire like three four bands in a night and they'll make you buy tickets right so mm -hmm. so the band or they 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 give the band like 70 tickets or something you do that then, yeah. you go sell them for 10 bucks a pop and then you come back so let's say you sell 20 tickets so you have this 200 bucks 
then you come back and then the 55 tickets or 50 tickets that you didn't sell, you've got to give $3 back to them on every ticket. So 50 times three, so you've got to give the bar owner uh, 150 bucks out of your 200 and wow. then you make 50 bucks. And then you have tips and stuff, but they make you sell tickets and you're getting paid off of the tickets. Or, um, or they talk about like what you were saying in New York where everybody will go just play a gig for free because it's right. so cutthroat. That's really different from how we have in Kansas City, right? I mean, it's still Wild West out well, here where you well, can last... go in and make a $100 gig easy, right? I mean, like... Oh, yeah. Well, I just played... To, you know, my, Mike Bourne's a guitar player I just met. I played with him mm -hmm. last Thursday at the Co-op. I was mm -hmm. filling in for Paul Greenleys. Uh -huh. And we were sitting out front, and there was a fellow there from Austin. And he was talking about... He just came from Austin. said the music scene in Austin is a lot like what you just explained. Yeah, yeah. And, we just did, played over in Topeka and walked out with a hundred dollar bill in my pocket, mm -hmm. you know. And yeah, it's and they were a pretty good band. Mm -hmm. you know, it was a lot of fun. I mean, but you do that, you do that math, sell your seventy tickets. I mean, that's seven hundred bucks if you do oh, yeah. that. If you do that work and you have these fans or whatever, twelve dollars you know. and fifty cents. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but um, so what is so? I mean, you already explained it, but is. Is there still a lot of gigs in Boston, or is it so cutthroat that that's well, really hard for anybody? In to get actual in? Boston, I used to play there a lot in the eighties, mm -hmm. and we used to, I used to play five, six nights a week in the same club. Yeah, right. Wow. In the good yeah. old days, yeah, you know, four or five. New Bedford uh, used to be big. Providence, Rhode Island was big. Uh, out Framingham, all around Boston, Cambridge. Mm -hmm. um, you, you could get a gig in there, it was pretty good. But you had to be a good band. Sure. Yeah. You couldn't go in there and start calling out songs and a shuffle and G and, yeah. you know, you had to have, you had to be polished, you had yeah. to be hurt, yeah. you had to work at it. Yeah. Uh, but I would assume it still is like that. It always was like that in the 70s, it was like that in 2000. I got friends mm -hmm. of mine who play in Boston still. Mm -hmm. I talked to them and, um, I think it still is a lot of competition there, yeah. but you can make you can make money as we always do, like the private functions and the right. you yeah. get those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. cool, man. Um, so, so next thing I wanted to talk to you about is like you, I, I had a kind of kinship with you, or had had kind of a connection with you in regards to that. I I really love to go to all of the all of the, the jams, and not just the jams, but like. I'm just really interested in a lot of different kinds of music. Yeah. And so I definitely had a big connection with the kind of blues scene in town. I, I've been to many jams and stuff now. Mm -hmm. But I also love jazz, as, as you do too. And and so at, at least when I w was first into town, I, I went to a lot of the jazz jams. But I got offered a couple times to do like jazz duos and things like that and actually play some real, real jazz gigs. You and I are about the only ones that I really see going to both the jazz jams and or at least gigging in both of those kind of scenes yeah. in town. Um, what do you find kind of a, a little bit of a difference between the jazz scene here and the blues scene? Like, how are you? What do you? Oh, you mean here that? in Kansas City? Right in Kansas City. Uh, well, I don't go to that many many jams as I used to. Like mm. when I first moved here, I went to right. all the jams. Um, and but yeah, the jazz jams like if you go to the foundation, mm -hmm. uh, the Blue Room Monday Night Jams, mm -hmm. or any or the California, yeah, those jazz jams there, 
Yeah, you gotta you gotta kind of know what tunes they're gonna do, just mm -hmm. like you do here with the with the blues. Right. Or you gotta be able to read really good or pull up stuff really good. Or right. you know, you have your iPad and you be yeah. able to read charts and uh, on that get the time hosting the the Blue Room mm -hmm. jam one night. Steve Lambert came in and called out a John Coltrane tune right. that I've never even played before. Right. And then halfway through it, everyone looked at me like, "Okay, it's your turn to solo." So it's you. You gotta be. You're gonna get your butt kicked unless you're really, really good. Right. And, and that's why I don't go to jazz jams that much anymore because I've just been out of it. Mm -hmm. I've yeah. been focusing on this other area that I've been doing the last five or six months with this right. young man that I'm working with, and I'm just not doing that much jazz. And I think the last time I played the Foundation was about two months ago with Pete Cole and Ernest Melton. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hosted down there, and also one night I got a call with Eddie Moore to cover a jam at the California. And let me tell you, that was an education. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Throwing your originals, right? And you yeah. say that, yeah. Yeah, throwing, throwing a chart to you, and I'm like, is, <laughs> is it a ballad? Yeah. What is it? Yeah. Just hear yeah. this. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the blues, you know, you know, and I know, you and I both know what it's the whole key to the going to the blues shams in Kansas City is you pray you're going to get a good drummer. Yeah. And you pray you're going to get a good guitar player. Yeah. And then. All's right in the world, right. and I don't envy the guys who run the jams in this town. It mm. is a hard job. Yeah, I think Coyote Bill does a great job. Mm. Uh, Brandon does a great job of balancing mm. the people. Yeah, if you put a really good player, such as you or whoever up there, with some people who are not that good, you're probably not going to come back. You may let it go once or twice. Mm. So you got to kind of do a balancing act. Yeah, but it's important for people to meet other people. That's how I met people. Mm -hmm. You know, if it wasn't Paul, for Paul Greenlee's and those people, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you now. And mm -hmm. I met them at jams. They're very good to me. Very good people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think I I would personally put Dave's jam in that category. I think yeah, he does a pretty good job. You know. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I, I I can go down the list. Sure, yeah. I would say the top three are probably Dave. And Coyote Bill and, mm -hmm. and Brandon because yeah. they mm -hmm. just they do it a lot and yeah. they know they know the talent level of people in town. They could look out in the audience and say, okay, and yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and and they and it's and it's great. Very rarely is it bad. Yeah, right. So, so let's just talk about that now. I guess the the jams. So like, so first of all, you know, we need to say that if if you don't know what an open jam is, you you go and you you play. Or you go and you, you sign have up a, on a sheet. You sign up on a sheet and you have a house band there, which is like the band that's running it. And then all these random musicians come in. It's sort of like an open mic night. And uh, it's it's a hodgepodge of different people every time. So you might get up with these three guys and then you're on bass. And then the house band drummer gets up with two other people. And then, you, and then you're playing like three songs a piece. And then those two guys get off the house band guitar player. And then it's just a hodgepodge every time, right? Yeah. And, and that's so, what I did when I moved here in 2013. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, I used to go up to the Majestic and sing it with Mark Lowry every yeah. Sunday night. Yeah, right, because he had one. Yeah, yeah. he had, he had yeah. one for a bit there. And, uh, and, why, and so, uh, so first of all, on a, on a positive note, why are the jams so cool? Cool? Well, like, like you just mentioned it, like what do they do for networking? In oh, town? well, I, that's how I met people. I mm -hmm. mean, I, would, I remember the old Quasimodos. Mm-hmm. That was one of the big ones in town. That's yeah. where I met Dave and Paul. Yep. And I'm just a new guy in town. You know, someone told me, you should go down to Quad. So I go down there. And instead of being threatened by me, which 
not that I'm a great player, right. but anytime you're in the Northeast, you see a good player, and all of a sudden it's like, it's yeah. going to take my gig. Sure. Paul was more than friendly to me and actually passed my name on to people. Next thing you know, my phone starts ringing. Yep. And I start getting gigs. And, you know, you do good on the gigs, and it's just like anything else. Mm -hmm. And now it's, I get calls. I'm, matter of fact, leaving Thursday morning for Minneapolis for four days. Yeah, wow. With a band. That's cool, man. I'm going out there to play for four days and coming back. So. See, like, and you just mentioned an interesting thing that, that's probably different here than it is in the Northeast, that you... Paul has not only his playing reputation, but he has his recommendation rep reputation oh, yeah. as well, right? I mean, so so with this whole network that we have here, he can't start giving, you know, if people call him if, if to give another name, if he can't do the gig that they're asking him, he can't be giving people well, scrubs names all day, well, right? Last He's, Thursday, you know, Mike Bourne needed a bass player to play at the Co-op and play at Topeka. Mm -hmm. Paul usually plays with them. And they said, you know any bass players? He goes, yeah, recommended me. And mm -hmm. the guy called me and says, Paul speaks very highly of you. Mm -hmm. He says, you're a very great, good player. I came in there and started playing. He goes, yeah, Paul was right. You're great. Yeah. Yeah. So you got to. So that's that's why, like, or just, I guess I'm piggybacking on what we were talking about before, about why we, why it's a good idea that we're like this in Kansas City of the networking and being friendly to everybody. Because yeah. you, you. This happens all the time where people need subs. I mean, every five seconds, mm -hmm. somebody needs a sub in town, you know, and like... Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a good time to be a bass player one, too. Oh, yeah. You get a yeah. lot of calls to play bass. And yeah. I, I have done everything. I've actually got flown out to Vegas through country gigs, and I've, you know, done the jazz gigs, yeah, blues sure. gigs, and, you know, it's it's been really good. That's but cool, I've, man. Yeah. It's been a long time, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. I used to do theater work. And I, that's the next thing I like to do here is do some orchestra theater. Oh, yeah, yeah. That I used would to be do that a lot fun. back in Boston. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. And uh, and then, so so last thing on the jams that, that you and I have talked about many times is what... Uh, what would you what would you change about the open jams? The, you know, if you could only pick. You're gonna get you me know. in trouble. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll say it. I, I ain't scared. I ain't scared. Uh, only you can do it generally. Generally, start earlier. Mm. Because you look at the age group that's coming out. They're people forties, fifties, mm -hmm. young kids. We got a four, couple of 14, 15 year old guitar players mm -hmm. coming with their parents. Start at seven. Mm. Well, maybe. Uh, I know we got one that starts at nine now in Westport. That's yeah. fine. It's you know that's that's always was an institution. It's back now. Uh, but I would think maybe start a little early. And you know, mm. I don't want to get in trouble. <laughs> I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> let's say it starts at eight o'clock. Mm -hmm. You don't you don't play till nine thirty. Mm. I, I didn't come there to listen to the house band. Mm. I came there to listen to 20, 25 minutes of the house band. Mm. You know, three, four-ish songs or yeah. something like that. And, and, yeah, if you, yeah, yeah. and if you look out and you see a bunch of jammers there, they just let them up there. I mean, back home we had a jam back in New Hampshire, one night a week, only on Thursday night. The only jam. Yeah, right. There were no jam every night of the week. Yeah. And the minute I walked through the door, within five minutes, I was up on stage. Mm -hmm. Because get them up here. Well, of course, not a lot of bass players, but. I won't throw you under the bus, but you and I were joking the other day. We were listening to the house band. We we're like, I don't want to hear this crap. <laughs> we were joking. We were joking. And, and I was in the house band. <laughs> <laughs> I 
<laughs> but you're gonna but, get me, you know, me in trouble. Yeah, but but you but what we are meaning is that get the jammers up there. Right, you know the the, 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 the house band's wonderful. They're playing awesome, and I want to hear them. But you do yeah. a lot of you get to play a lot of music. You're mm -hmm. very good at it. And you're good, and I and I'm thankfully. I get to play music too. Mm -hmm. A lot of people go to jams. This is their only chance they get to play. Right, right. This is important to them. This yeah, is yeah. their. I've been working on this song all week. I want to play it in front of people, see how it goes. Yeah. So to them, yeah. a lot of times I go to a jam. I don't even sign up. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, I'll say to Bill or whoever, say if you need me to play. If you yeah. got a lot of bass players, let them play because I play all the time. Right. Now, if you need me to play, of course. That's I'm a cool there. attitude. That's a cool attitude to yeah. do that. Let the other guys go. Because yeah, it's their you. their opportunity, and they're, they're probably looking for a gig. Who knows? Yeah, right. you know? I mean, I'm more than happy to say. And in the in regards to networking, they already know you. You're not going to prove anything right, more right, to them yeah. at that point. You know where you have to play with networking. They, Paul already knows you. All these people, you know, half the. Most of the jammers already know some of us that go all the time. Oh, we're the know, regulars. So yeah, we are. We have regulars, our regulars. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, so, like, last thing on that, and I, I definitely am gonna gonna try to get you in trouble with this, but um, so one thing that I get frustrated by is that I I agree with you that that the mentality of the open jam should be about the jammers. You know, I, I believe yeah. it's not about the house band. If you want it to be the house band, go go get a gig. You know, and then you can make the whole night about you. Um, but for the for some of the guys like us that are a little bit more, at least at least in town, you know, three or four year veterans of jams, where we kind of can go in and know what we're doing, know what's right. up. Um, it it is it is a little bit frustrating to kind of go in and and I understand it is what it is. I mean, so, uh, jams aren't regular a regular band, but you you sometimes get this point where, you know, you're getting up with people that not not the guys that are that are decent. You know, that they they can logistically get up there and play. They can right. do their keys and the in the rhythm, and they can look oh, for so solos. If somebody gets up there, is not a really really great player. As long as I got a good drummer, yeah, and a yeah, good yeah, singer, yeah. Fine, let the you know the person. But you know, uh, one. Let me just interject. Yeah. Let's look at it this way. The gig starts, the jam starts at 9 o'clock. What time do the jammers usually show up? Quarter or 10? Mm. 10 or 10? Mm. If you're the house band, you're playing to an empty room. Why? Because the jammers know you're going to play for an hour before they yeah. can get up. Yeah. So yeah. they don't come in till 10 o'clock. Right, yeah, yeah. So if you may let be known that we start at 9, we get jammers up at 9.30. Yeah. People come in at 9.30. Some people have to get up for work in the morning. They're not yeah. rich like you and me. So you know they have to get up yeah. in the morning. But. Yeah, well, I guess I guess what I'm trying to get at is I I that's about one of the biggest things that I get frustrated at is when, it, and and Winton Marsal I, I quote Winton Marsalis about this because he always talks about kind of the negotiation of music and talk talking about jazz specifically of you have these different egos and different purposes for being on the stage right now. Some of the drummers like being in 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 front of people. But they don't like taking solos, you know. Then you have the prima donna guitar player that wants everybody to know who they are and yeah. take over the band, and like, and then so I think jams are the perfect example of that, where you have some guy that's had like, they've had like five beers and they get up there and they're only having fun, you know. They they don't care if this is good or not right now. They're only having fun. Right. House bands actually getting paid tonight, you know. So mm -hmm. they they're wanting the thing to actually kind of go well, you know. They want the right. jam to keep going. Well, they also yeah. want it to be good, so. Good players come back. Exactly, exactly. You know, if and I go to a jam and it's not really good players, yeah, 
I'm not going to go there. Right. And then you'd have somebody like me who I, I, I have to 100% admit, I'm, I'm going in there to hustle. I'm telling everybody, right? I'm trying to get gigs. I want to get known. I want everybody in this room to see who I am. I'll fully admit it. And so when I'm trying to make this a pretty good musical experience, there's some other guys that think this is happy fun time or Mm -hmm. they are so clueless about their abilities of how good they are that, you know, I know. Careful where you're going. I know. And that, that's my opinion, you know, and so what, uh, if, if you want to, if you want to, you know, plead the fifth, that's fine, you know, but do you think there should be a, at least low baseline of ability before you get up at a jam and feel free to plead the fifth if you need to, because honestly, I think anyone should be allowed to get up there mm-hmm. because it's there for people. Mm-hmm. And if they want to get up there and they're not okay, they're not very good. Mm. They come back the next week, they're a little bit better. Mm. They come back, they're a little bit better. They're working on it. Yeah. I, I yeah. applaud that. It's the ones that sound like they did when I moved here in 2013. They're doing the same songs. They sound exactly the same they did in 2013. What about them? Huh? They. Sh- I, you're going to get me in trouble. <laughs> Why are you trying to get me in trouble? <laughs> Let's go after the guy. Let's go after the northerner, shall we? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we can move on if you, you want. You know, better take the good with the bad. Yeah. You know, yeah. I. In all honesty, the reason why I go to jams is for socializing. Right. Yeah. I mean, I get up and play and stuff. I really, honestly, music is not, hundred percent of my life. There's mm-hmm. other things I like to do. Yeah. I enjoy music, playing music. Yeah. To me, it's a social thing. Yeah. To go out. It is wonderful for that, isn't it? I yeah. mean, it's it's just great to, to You can have remember, that. I'm from the Northeast. Mm-hmm. I will go into a place, yeah. let's say, Monday night at Westport mm-hmm. Saloon, right? Chris Schneblin, walk across the room and shake my hand. Yeah. People come up and shake my hand. Right. How you doing, Jim? How's, and they're honestly happy to see me. Yeah. In the Northeast? Yeah. They all look at you like, you want something? It took me a while to get used to that. Yeah, that's tough, yeah. But even to this day, if I walk into a place, Mark Lowry will walk across the room and shake my hand. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's a nice thing. Right. And that's a lot of things. I go down to Knuckleheads. Yeah. On a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. Just to see people. Well, yeah. Bug Jack. We'll, 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 bug Jack. Yeah. Yeah, Jack's, Jack's a nice guy. You got a Bug he, Jack, though. Yeah. <laughs> Give him crap. <laughs> you know? But he looks at you like this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I guess, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is that that topic that, that I was trying to get out of you, that is, is one of the things in our musical culture that's like a little bit of the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. I've never about seen and, so many jams in my life till I moved here. Yeah. They, they don't exist in the Northeast. Yeah. There's a neither, crap load here in neither, there. Neither does tip buckets. <laughs> Once I said, what is that? People put money in it. What do you mean they put money in it? It's tips. You you don't have tip buckets in the Northeast. Wow, that's really interesting. No, I didn't know what that was at first. And I said, they do? They put money in there? There's like 80 bucks in there? There's 80 bucks in there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But no, I, yeah. that's the first time I've run across that. Yeah. And it's it's different that way. Wow. Yeah, all right. Well, let's, let's move on from that. Um, uh, what, uh, so what is... Uh, another thing that I'm kind of fascinated by is the idea of the different roles of different people in the band. Mm-hmm. Like musically, we're talking. Um, what 
what is the role of – and you're a bass player, right? I, I think we said that, but um, – I play guitar too, but it's, mm-hmm. I don't feel comfortable. I, mm-hmm. I feel comfortable with a bass in my hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's the role of a bass in a band? Well, there's different explanations of it. Mm-hmm. Um, my thought process is when I play bass is that it's a connection between the chordal instruments – and the rhythm and as a melodic connection between the two. Yeah. I'm leading the chord changes in. Like if we're gonna go from a G to a C, I can lead it in with either a chromatic or diatonic approach. Boom, you know? boom, boom, yeah, boom. But, yeah, right. Yeah, or I yeah. can do it different ways of, of leading it in. But also but mainly it's locking in with the drummer. Whenever I play, I always sit up so I can see the drummer's foot. Mm. I wanna see his foot on the bass drum. Because mm. a lot of times I'll just play the same thing he's playing. Because when people dance they're not dancing to Victor Wooten. They're dancing to this. Yeah, yeah. You know, and when I used to teach, I used to put my finger on my bass on the seventh fret. I said, you see this down here? That's the money zone. Yeah. That's where you're going to make your money. You want to play down here. You don't want to... Solo, fine, you're going to get your shot. But I, I, was, I was guilty of it. It's like every other bass player in the world when I was young. I thought I was the next Jocko. Oh, yeah, all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I still do it once in a while. I, you see me. I admit it. Sometimes I get a little off the, off the wall. But it's you're there to drive that band. Mm-hmm. It's to drive the band. Never play a weak note on the bass. You're there. Even if it's a ballad, turn your volume down. Play strong notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, the drummer is the locomotive and the bass player shoveling the coal into the engine. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. Yeah, I love that analogy, you're, man. You're there yeah. to get yeah. that going, man. And you get a good you're drummer, a good bass yeah. player. Yeah, you're the fuel to get yeah. that drummer going. I like that. I like what you said too. I never even considered that, that what you just said about you're the connection between the chordal stuff and the rhythm stuff because you're both, right? You're driving the rhythm pretty hard, but you're also, you know, driving the chords kind of hard too. I never thought about that. That's a really good. And as I'm getting older now, I'm playing more or less. It's not illegal for a bass player to play a whole note. Mm -hmm. It's not illegal. Yeah. And I find myself playing more. More, especially in the trio situation I'm in now, mm. when I have two busy players, a drummer and a guitar player, you know Taylor Smith. Yeah, yeah. You know, there he's a phenomenal player. He mm-hmm. he gets going and he's gone, man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just into himself. Right. And the drummer's from Detroit, so he's doing his I don't know what you call it, slam bam, whatever it is. Yeah. So I'm trying to hold it together. And I'm finding that doing more of a this kind of energy into your hands. Mm. Funnel, don't I see people moving around? Yeah. yeah. If you see me play, I don't. Move, I look like actually like I'm bored to death. <laughs> but it's channeling the energy into your hands, mm. keeping time with your hands. Because mm. when I play, that's kind of what I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm trying to keep the rhythm feel going in the band as mm. a bass player. I know that's kind of. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. What do you? Uh, another thing that I've I've seen a lot with a lot of bass players and drummers both do this is. Um, what do you think about general like busyness of bass players, like playing fills every second? You know, what, what do you what do you think about that? You're gonna get me in trouble again. Um, no, you don't like that. Yeah. No, no, not at all. Mm-hmm. It's it's fine, but I went and saw Stanley Clark in New mm-hmm. York City, and he had. Um, Bono, the bass player, so see the next Jocko. Mm-hmm. And they, he was just doing this all night with the thumb. Yeah. You know, he was he was great. But after about the third song, I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. 
Then I went and saw Victor Wooten, Marcus Miller, and Stanley Clark in concert. SMB. Three bass players with a drummer. And let me tell you something. They didn't do that all night. Mm. They were playing music. Yes. They were not doing all this noodling. Yeah. Noodling's if you want to do a solo, fine. Mm -hmm. But your job is to keep that going. Like I said, they're not dancing to this. Mm -hmm. They're dancing to yeah. this. Especially if you're in a blues band. Right. Right. You want to. You just. Uh, you want to play around with that arpeggio. You know, you want to play outline that chord, that seven chord. You want to. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to do that. And you yeah. want to focus with the drummer. It's about that that groove. If you don't right. have the groove, it's over. But yeah. it's impressive, great, I'm wonderful that you can do that. Great, thirty second notes. One, that's great, awesome, man, fantastic. You know, wow, jeez, that's awesome. Oh man, you just slap better than oh, Victor. Oh, oh. fantastic, man. You know, okay, now play me a blues. So what? You can't. What? what? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, here, let me. See, you know, it's yeah. It's about it's about working together as a unit. Yeah. Huh? And. Yeah. A lot of people think it's about them, and I've, I yeah. call the three T's in bass playing. Tone, technique, and time. Mm -hmm. Tone, is it pleasing to the ear? Yeah. It's not harsh, it's not loud, it's not distorted. Pedals don't belong on a bass, sorry. They don't, okay? <laughs> it's about the tone. <laughs> Listen to Marcus Miller, okay? Mm -hmm. um, technique, are you like playing real hard? Are you like this? You know, are you like, eh, eh, eh? are you like, playing over certain parts, you're not using dynamics. And the last one is time. Are you too busy? Yeah. Are you mm -hmm. noodling? I saw a guy I saw a guy noodling over um Johnny Cash, Folsom Prison. He's up there like he's like he's Jocko playing Folsom Prison. I'm like <laughs> Are you kidding? I mean come well, on. Well his his brain his brain can't handle I mean, he can't, he can't, but that's he's going to explode. When I did that job in Vegas on mm -hmm. the country band, yeah. guess what I did for five nights in Las Vegas? Boom, boom, boom. I'm going to do a song on Merle Haggard. I'm going to do a song on George Strait. Right. That's the gig. Mm -hmm. You don't want to do it, don't take the gig. Mm -hmm. It's a country song. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, you want to, you should be a guitar player. You should not be a bass player. You need to be a guitar player. You've got to be wired like a bass player. You've got to think like a bass player, mm. not a guitar player. Yeah. It's a different mindset. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting a little weird here. No, I, I completely agree you with know, what and, you're saying. And when but I play guitar, I play guitar like a bass player. I used to play in a Django, a mm -hmm. duo. I used to play guitar and bass in a Django duo. Mm -hmm. you know, all the Django stuff. Yeah. And the guitar player kept saying, you got to do some solos. So I started working on some solos. And he goes, you solo like a bass player. Mm -hmm. To me, it was a compliment. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it probably was a compliment. I mean, it's, like, I find that always funny that about, like, when I think of, like, how much to play, and then also, like, when are you choosing this how much to play, mm -hmm. I think that's what sets a lot of people apart. I, I like to think of, like, is time is, like, in, in regards to, like, kind of a level of musician, you know, there's a lot of people that sort of have some okay time, you know, they can kind of play with the band, and then when you get some sort of kind of technique and touch in there of, of yeah. kind of deciding to be able to kind of adjust a little bit to like a ballad or a fast something is kind of that makes you kind of in this professional level. Mm -hmm. But then the people that are way above that, I think, are the people that like know how much to play and know when to play. They can feel and, it needs something. Yes. And they can feel when it needs something and, and they can adjust to their playing in the different situations that they're in like you you were mentioning the idea of what uh what do i play over solos 
And then what do I play when I'm not soloing, you know, and, and be able to adjust that and go off in your 19th fret and go nuts over your solo. Do mm -hmm. it, you know. Well, but then when you go back, even if you're gonna do a solo, you don't want to go totally. You want to leave space, miles. Right. Miles. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's nothing. It's all about space. Right. If I'm doing, yeah. all right, well that's cool. But if I start going, like, you're telling a story. Mm -hmm. When you solo, you're supposed to be telling a story. Yeah. That's what Eric Clapton says. I'm telling a story. More lyrical. You're talking right. about playing Rather more lyrical instead all of all this ambitious yeah. crap. Right. Wait, and then last thing on this, what do you, I, I've always found that like, for instance, when I'm kind of choosing to come in and out with my violin about, you know, uh, you guys are kind of more playing a little bit more straight through and, and then, than what I would be in a country band. Cause they're like vocals. I'm like doing nothing. And then I come in with my stupid little four note riff <laughs> and then I come back out and then play in, out, in, out. Yeah. And I found that like when I choose stuff like that, it actually, and in regards to my busyness, I find that it changes even within the different bands that I'm in. Even if I'm like playing country, for instance, if I'm in like a four piece, there's a lot, it feels like to me that there's a lot more room in a four piece to play stuff as opposed when I go over to my eight piece, right? And there's a steel and me and lead guitar and rhythm guitar and the, and the, and there, what would you think the difference would be like if you have like a trio? Here's a classic case right here. You, mm. I'm in a trio now, mm -hmm. right? With the Taylor Smith band. Yeah. And we just won the IBC at Kansas City. Mm -hmm. and that's Alcohol. cool, man. Thank you. Yeah, that's sweet. I mean, that's, I've, I'm so happy for Taylor. Uh, he's 22 years old. Mm -hmm. He is a absolute prodigy on that guitar and vocalist. Mm -hmm. And he's a, just a great person. And I want to see him do well. I'm so happy that mm -hmm. know, that came through. That's very cool. And it's a trio. Him. Myself and a drummer. I used to play in a ten-piece tower, a power band, like tribute right. band. Damn. I played more in that ten-piece than I do in this one. I played less. Wow. It's more spatial for me with this, because I'm focusing on holding it together. Because Taylor is doing his playing. Because mm -hmm. he'll he'll go right from uh, all, we'll go from Allman Brothers to Miles to Wayne Shorter to Chick yeah. Corea. Wow. In in the middle of a song, we'll go into. We have one song where actually I do a Bach minuet suite in the middle of the song, okay? <laughs> so we're, we're doing all kinds of stuff. And it's a lot, I'm more focusing more on driving the beat and playing less notes and focusing more on that, as I was talking about. Yeah, wow. So that's kind of opposite from what I was saying, at least with the number of players. But it's just People the difference People think in a trio, you got to play more. No, you have more space in a trio. You use space more in a trio. Hmm. Otherwise, it's just a bunch of notes. So you got to be a little more creative. That's interesting. A drum yeah, that's fill, a bass yeah. fill, a guitar fill. You know, to fill those holes yeah. that you only have a three piece. So if you do like dunk 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 all night, it's going to get boring. But if you're mixing it up, mm -hmm. like we do a lot of, we try to do a lot of different stuff, and we're sure. trying to bring that into what we're doing. Sure. That's why we're going to be working on a CD as soon as he gets back. He's in North Carolina now, and we're we're hoping to come up with some new stuff and. Some of his writing is just really beautiful stuff. Yeah. He's very mm -hmm. gifted, and I'm looking forward to it. That's but, cool, But man. as far as I think you play less than a trio, you should, actually. Wow. This, yeah, so listen to Cream. Listen to the yeah. studio stuff by yeah. Cream. Not the, yeah. not the live stuff. Right. But the studios. Listen to Jack yeah. Bruce. That's interesting, And, and Ginger man. Baker. Because I guess in, in our eight, like with the band I was thinking of in my head that I played in, the reason why I would play even way less in that band, the reason why I'm doing that is because 
like for instance with this space where you have your sing and then space sing space right. that space there's like five people waiting to play some little fill in that space if we all five play a fill it's just dumb right i mean we, we're all blocking each other so that's what i guess i was thinking of when i mean like i'm playing less in an eight piece because like for example I've done this new country band that I'm in where this guitar player's not really doing fills. He's just literally doing chords the whole time. And so basically it's me playing fills the entire night. Mm -hmm. So I have like a, a huge amount of liberty to play as many as I want to play. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's what I guess but I'm But you want to make of. it, you want to be creative. You don't want to be just sure. doing it for yeah. the sake of doing it. Right. No. Yeah. And I, believe me, you know, I'm, that's all I'm thinking about because the yeah. songs are just, you know, it's music is so easy for me to play also, i'm thinking of when do i want to throw this one and not this time dynamics you got to use yeah, dynamics a yeah. lot in your i used i did a lot of work as a is a duo like i said with the mm, Django thing i did that yeah. for three years i was playing electric up uh, upright bass electric mm. bass and guitar yeah. and we were doing standards we we're doing jazz we we're doing a lot of Django songs i was doing just the rhythm you know like chunk, 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 chunk. Mm. but it's you gotta you got less pieces you have the more creative you have to be i think sure yeah. so it doesn't get boring sure yeah yeah, yeah that's a good point man um a cu couple more here uh one that i thought was really interesting um that you you and i have talked about with with some other musicians uh is there is the the idea that what other like what what other occupation do you get to like drink at work I mean, well, besides for being like well, an you know, airplane I, pilot, you know, Well, you right? know I retired you from the Postal Service. Right? You know that? <laughs> no. Actually, I... I no. A cop, right? You know, airplane no, pilot. You, mean, you know? legally drink at work? <laughs> it's not, just, not it, at the extent that we do. <laughs> not at the extent that we do. But, but it's kind of like a... It's kind of this weird thing in the musician culture that of, of like... Of, of kind of substance abuse, yeah. right? I mean, it's this thing that we've dealt with for you, we can, 100 we, years. We can play at the hideout and get ourselves a Jameson on the rocks. But if the waitress has a Jameson on the rocks, she's going to get fired. Yeah, uh-huh. Okay. Isn't that funny? Yeah. That's really funny. Like, or Not just the hideout, but any place. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that could be good. That could be bad. Mm -hmm. I've seen people, and you have seen them too, where they're just, mm -hmm. the, you, the more you drink, the worse you're going to play. Sure. And you smoke pot, you think you sound great. Yeah. But you're the only one. Who plays better on that? On what? Like drugs or alcohol. If uh, I had a choice, yeah. I'd rather have a guy playing on pot than playing on alcohol. <laughs> if I had a choice. But I'm making the point, like, do you do you really play better? You know, no, I don't you think don't. I don't no, think anybody plays not. better. You no, know, you like, don't. yeah. Yeah. You know, I think I, they do, yeah. Frank Zappa never did drugs or alcohol. Right. Never. Yeah. Never did drugs or alcohol. Yeah. He says the only thing dumber than that is television. And that was Frank. And you listen to Frank's music and like, this guy's gotta be, you know, yeah. an acid hip. Right. He wasn't. He wasn't, yeah. And like I guess the, the, the thing that I think tricks a lot of uh, a lot of younger people like myself, especially in their twenties, is when you you hear about these Beatles and Pink Floyds and then even when you get deeper, like the Charlie Parkers of the world who were kind of addicted to heroin and then all these other guys playing and you, you kind of get, you get tricked into this world of, oh, okay, let's, let's go take some Vicodin to make sure that I'm creative tonight. You know, it's like you, you kind of get this mentality that, that you're going to end up being creative. Yeah. But, and then later you might think that that's dumb, you know, and might realize that that's a falsehood. But 
but accidentally you're now kind of drinking a lot or you're having a lot of drugs later in your 30s or 40s or whatever and and it's kind of it, it's kind of it's kind of ruined some careers hasn't it oh absolutely yeah um, you go back to the days you were talking about Charlie Parker that's mm-hmm. a whole different culture there right plus you're talking about Charlie Parker John Coltrane you're talking mm-hmm. you know Miles Davis was a heroin addict mm-hmm. you know, all those guys Ray Charles a, I mean they're but it was a goes, different yeah they were in a different level and a different society I don't know how to explain it mm-hmm. I, I don't know it doesn't make it right but they mm-hmm. were just somewhere else anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. but I see guys that just even now today is that just they drink and they get nasty or they get argumentative on stage yeah. and the minute you start yelling at me on stage in front of people I'm out of the band yeah yeah you don't do that right you got a problem you talk about it later you don't right. do that yeah that's a, that's uh, a good that, etiquette kind of thing about the band that's just because audience can pick it up oh, yeah. I played in a band with two people in the band would be arguing out in front of the club yeah, yeah. and you can see people in the, in the audience kind of look at yeah. it it's people, pretty darn professional people isn't it? spot yeah. that stuff yeah you know I'm not saying you got to smile like you're on the 700 yeah. club but you want to look like you're having a good time even though I don't I'm guilty of that the most I, it's hard for me to smile having a good time yeah. I am but yeah I just don't look it club owners see it too don't they yes they do mm-hmm. um, they don't want to see you up in New Hampshire, I don't know, in New Hampshire, you're not allowed to have alcohol on stage. Yeah, good for a while. Yeah. You're not allowed to have it on stage. Yeah. One night we were playing and the uh, DEA came in and caught the band and they fined the club. Wow. Because the guys yeah. in the band had drinks on the stage. Wow. Um, the casinos. DEA. When you play yeah. at a casino, well, alcohol, tobacco, ATF, right. I'm sorry. ATF, but ATF, still, I'm sorry. ATF and the club. Oh, they just come swooping in. Yeah, and wow. uh, the casinos, you're not allowed to drink. Yeah, well. When you're well. playing. Uh, cruise ships, you're not allowed to yeah. drink while you're playing. They want it to professional. I don't blame them whatsoever. I want it professional. Mm-hmm. I've been wanting that since I moved here. I've been yeah. looking for that. Well, we get up there and we we know we're gonna kick ass and we go up there and we do it. Mm-hmm. We're not just trying to pull it out of our butt, hoping it's gonna go good. Yeah. You know it's gonna go good. Yeah. And and tiny last thing on that, do you, uh, like, I this one of our guys at Wichita State, the guitar instructor at Wichita State, told a lot of us because we were all, you know, smoking pot and we were all in our thing and he's like, he was like, you know what? I don't know any like major gigger in the area that's still smoking pot. Because he did it too, right? I mean, yeah, he, was, yeah. he was a, you know, he's whatever and uh, he was, you know, he'd, he'd, quit, he'd quit for years, you know, the, the teacher yeah. had, but he was kind of telling us, he's like, man, I'm not going to tell you not to do it, but Name me a big gigger who's who's got his crap together who's still smoking pot. He's like, name them, and we're like, what? But I, uh, you know, and he's like, yep, because there is, you know, the, the most of the guys that are got their crap together and they're gigging and they they have their, uh, they're not flaky. They call you back for gigs, you know, they they uh, and they have their stuff together. A lot of them are not really drunks anymore, and they're not really smoking pot anymore, I, and. You know, when I was in that Tower of Power band, one of the guys, trumpet players, Harry, Harry Nightcamp, was mm-hmm. Tom Jones's trumpet player. Mm-hmm. And he's now the music director on the QE2. Mm-hmm. He can name any cruise ship he wants. Well, he worked with like Elton John, all these big name mm-hmm. people. That man could drink. I mean, he yeah, pounds them yeah. down when the gig is over. Yes. And he has the when discipline When he's not there, practicing. Yeah. When he's, he's got to work on stuff, he doesn't drink. But hey, hey man, let's go out for some drinks. We'll go out and get hammered. And, yeah. And, I know another, a lot of people like that. He works hard, play hard. He you know, works, he, he play. knows, he separates. Okay, it, here know, we go. Yeah. And now I can go, but I'm right. I'm working. Yeah. And that's, that's why he is where he is. True. Also, the fact that he's a 
gifted player, but that's right. also, but it's hard work. Yeah, all right, man, uh, two, more, two more for you. Two I more don't want to be ones. too long on the tooth here. Just... You know, you're great, man. This is good. Uh, two more quick ones. So um, one of the reasons why I wanted to do this, this channel and the show is um, to kind of give some of these younger, not, not the really young kids, but the younger giggers, like the 20-ish year olds that are trying to get into this, this music scene mm -hmm. and music business. What, uh, is there any, any advice you can think of that you would, you would want to tell? Well, don't gig for the sake of gigging. Mm. You know, work on your music that you want to play that you enjoy. Um, you're not gonna, chances of you getting rich are very slim. Mm -hmm. You know, um, who knows, you might be the next Taylor Smith, but it's, work on like putting something that you can be proud of, that you, you say, wow, this sounds great, and you have a good time about it. Mm -hmm. I mean, what, basically, how do you get into doing gigs? I wish I knew how to get do get into getting gigs. Cause, mm -hmm. um, that's a whole business altogether. Yeah. But I think if you're true to yourself and you want to play what you think is is part of you, and you want to look good, don't go up there looking like a bum, and don't get drunk, don't get stoned. Show up with a clean shirt, sober, mm -hmm. ready to play, know the tunes. Yeah, it's not brain surgery. Yeah, that's right. it. Um, but have a have a good worth ethic. Don't mm -hmm. screw off. I used to practice, you, same thing, you used to practice three, four hours a day. Now I'm lucky if I do 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that, that's, that's really good, man. A lot of people can't, can barely do that. You know, barely show up with a nice clean shirt and stay, you know, I mean, it's I have like a philosophy said, about musicians. It says two things about being a, a good musician or successful. Mm. Your ability mm. and your political ability of being able to interact with people. Mm. To be able to be a business person, yes. now to become a really great player, you spend a lot of time alone, a lot of uh -huh. solitude, practicing. Right. You're working on music, practice. Now all of a sudden you say, okay, now I'm going to go play. Now you got to learn how to deal with club owners, mm -hmm. you know, audience, other bandmates. You want to you want to run your own band? Good luck with that. You yeah. want to be a band leader? You got to learn how to actually to be, use words with other people. Yeah, and be able, <laughs> you know, be able yeah. to interact. Yeah, mm -hmm. some people can't do it. Mm -hmm. They can't. Not great players, yeah. mm -hmm. but. They just wait for things. I can name a few of them that they don't yeah. even want to go yeah. looking for gigs. They just think they're going to come to them. Yeah. They think because of their past reputation and past history that people are going to call them on the phone. No. Fine, call me. No. Call me. Ain't going to happen. Right. You got you, you. I don't care if you played with George Harrison 30 years ago. Right. What did you do last? Like the guys, we won the IBCA. Go good. Enjoy it. Relax the next couple of days. Enjoy it. But then now you got to go to work. Yeah. It, it's this is what you did Saturday. Today is Thursday. Yeah, yeah. You gotta that's look great, at it that man. way. Yeah, that's great. Uh, la last one I got for you. Um, I always find uh, <laughs> gig stories hilarious. Oh no. You know, yeah, and and the, the, everybody usually has about anybody like yourself that's been gigging a while. You know, they're a while. You know, they're yeah. I was gigging how, with how, Jimmy Carter. How, how, how PC was that? Was that a good one? A while, um, uh, but uh, you know, everybody usually has kind of a some some R-rated stories and then some uh, oh, some PG thirteen kind of stories. You know, hey, you got a funny one. There's or? just so many of them. I I could go on. I was telling you someone like it. I just remember playing uh, in Newport, Rhode Island, mm -hmm. at the Officers Club on the Naval Base. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and. It's so much nicer than playing in the, in the, in the enlisted men's club. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they got, they're cutting roast beef at the end of the line. You know? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, the doors come flying open. 
and about 30 ensigns come running in because mm -hmm. it's the end of hell week. They're yeah, all in right. their early 20s. They just went through a whole week of exams. I mean, it's what they call hell week right. in order to get yeah. their commission. Well, sure. I'm telling you, I never see that these are doing push-ups in the bowls of booze. They're tearing <laughs> their shirts off. They're, you know, they're doing, they're chasing women down the halls. Yeah, right. It's just like total, it's like animal house. Yeah, right, yeah. And I'm all, I'm just like up there playing. We had a girl singer in the band and I mean, that's just one of them. Yeah, right, yeah, sure. Now, I'm thinking of my favorite one was in Rhode Island when uh, we go to play Mother's Day. And uh -huh. I'm playing with a high-energy funk band. We've got a girl singer. Oh, yeah, yeah. This guy, this guy goes, use guys. I call them use guys. Because yeah. use guys are going to, use guys dress alike? Uh, no, goes, well, use guys are going to dress alike for this gig. Because mm -hmm. use guys take requests? Uh, no, we don't. Use guys are going to take requests. And he's going on and on and on about that. And I mean, mm -hmm. I'm looking at the keyboard player. He's like, "This is the wrong gig. Mm -hmm. You know, this is Mother's Day dinner, right, lunch yeah, thing, yeah, right?" Yeah. So we get out in, out front. I go, "What are you gonna do?" He goes, "Get in the car." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "We're leaving." I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "We're leaving. We're not gonna set up and play here." Because halfway through the first song, you know. This guy's gonna shoot us. Yeah. I mean, he right. looked like he was in a thousand fights and lost every oh, one. Oh yeah, sure. I mean, he looked like somebody out of The Godfather. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, what's his name? Yeah. What's his name? Sleeps with the fishes. Oh. Luca, uh, he looked like yeah. Luca Brazzi. Luca Brazzi. Yeah, you know? yeah. So yeah. we get in the car and we drive away, and he calls the agent. And says, "We're not, we're not doing it." Why? He goes, "This is a bad booking." Yeah. And he was right. Wow. But I can imagine, and the guy goes, "What? Did, wait a minute, hold on a second. He comes back and goes, "Yeah, you're right. They drove away." Wow. <laughs> That's funny, man. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but it was true, man. Yeah, that's funny, dude. Um, well, I could go on. Go, yeah, sure. <laughs> but anyways, um, you, you got a, you got anything else? No, I just, I just, like I said, grateful to a lot of people I've met here in this town, and I, I've only been here like four and a half years, and I've done. You're one of them. You, you called me up a few times for gigs, or called mm -hmm. me up to this and that, and I appreciate it. I think this is a great thing, man. I think you get more people in here talking. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm really, I think it's a cool idea. I don't know, I don't know if anybody's done this. I've been asking a lot of people if anybody's done something like this before, which I think is kind of neat that I thought of it. But, uh, but you know, but, uh, you're sort of like yeah. this, the actor's studio, you're the musician. Right, yeah, studio. I mean, that's kind of the idea. Yeah, I'm nowhere you start as asking those questions yeah. like, uh, you know, uh, when you die, what do you want God yeah, to, to say, say to you? Your, yeah, well, what's going to be on your tombstone and stuff? You know, but, but yeah. You're going to probably I, say it's $75 to get in, and you got to go through the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad you uh, came out and talked. And, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't have much, I don't have much to say. But. Yeah, I think you've got a lot to say, man. Um, again, uh, this is Jim Ken. You can check him out uh, all over the place in uh, Kansas With City. With the Taylor Smith gigs. Band. We're going to be playing at the Phoenix October 21st. Cool. Saturday night. Yeah. Uh, we've got a few festivals coming up. Our phone's starting to ring about festivals because of the IBC. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be in Memphis in January. And got cool, a CD man. coming out in November. Mm -hmm. So you got some stuff going on. Trying to do it. Cool, Not man. really focusing on gigs, but focusing on writing. Cool, man. Well, thanks for coming, yeah, man. man. I appreciate you. you coming here. We'll see you guys later. That's it. So long. Yep.